0: this morning driving in. It was like two degrees on my car thing. Anybody else? Yeah. Hands up if you've got heated seats in your car. Game changer. Praise the Lord. It's a reason to believe in Jesus, you know, for that kind of technology. I was once taking a heated steering wheel. That's a thing. Adam, why have you not given me a car with a heated steering wheel? Um, I was once driving your son, actually, Dan, to to, um, school, little Ruben, and um, it was really, really cold, and he was sat in the back of my car, and he was chatting away, and it was really cute, and then he suddenly just went, Gemma, my bum's on fire! I was like, oh, no, I've broken (laughs) Ruben. Like, what am I going to do? Pulled over, heated seats in the back, did not know. (laughs) It's before I had kids, so I'm not doing that to my twins or anything, don't worry. Um, Okay, so this morning, Um, I've got a couple of stats just to share with you that are quite full on, um, I think they're going to come up here as well, Um, but here it is, 9 in 10 females say they are unhappy with the way they look, 25% of 14 year olds are self-harming, rates of anxiety and depression have risen 70% in the past 25 years. British women have the second lowest self esteem in the whole world. If you're interested in the first, it was Japan. Suicide rates in the UK are at the highest they have ever been. And now men have overtaken women in the suicide rates. Some really, really scary stuff there. And I think you'll agree with me. It just feels like a really bleak picture at the moment, doesn't it? I feel like um, I used to be a journalist and. Staying up to date with current affairs and things was kind of my thing. I had to. as part of my job. And now I'm not doing that anymore. And I, sometimes I look at like my news apps and things on my f- uh, phone. And the other day, there were seven murder stories in a row. And I just looked at it and I was like, I can't. I can't read that. I can't do it. And I had to put it away. Sometimes it's just so much going on in the world. So much horrible things happening. People in really, really tough situations that sometimes it can all just be a little bit much. I think we're probably living in some of the toughest times, I mean definitely in my lifetime, that I've experienced. I don't know how you feel. And everywhere we turn there are broken people, there are hurting people, there are people even in this room going through things that are painful, that are sad, that are tiring, that are just making them really wearied. And at times you yourself might even think, yeah I could be in that club too, it's tough for me right now. But we've got to think that if it's all this doom and gloom, if it's all of this bad picture, if this kind of thing is really happening in our times, then there's got to be something else we can do to try and make a difference. There's got to be things that we can be doing as a a collective here that can um, make a difference to some of these things that are happening. And the truth is that we can make a huge difference. And Adam spoke last last week about we receive hope and we give hope. And I kind of want to go on that theme again this morning, talking about believing in people, because that, I think, is the answer We can change the face of some of this stuff if we took the time to believe in someone. Because can you think back for a second? Have you ever had somebody in your life believe in you? Can you think for a second? Has there been anybody, whether you were a kid, a teenager, an adult, but was there a specific moment where somebody took the time to believe in you? Might have been a grandparent, might have been a parent, a spouse, a friend, a sibling, a sponsor, a social worker, a youth worker. But just somebody that took the time to just stop you in your tracks in your life and go, no, I think there's something better for you. I think you're capable of more. I'm going to be your cheerleader. I'm going to be your coach. And I'm going to try and move you on and make you believe in yourself because I believe in you. Have you had that moment? Can you think of someone? If you've had that, think back to that moment and try and remember the difference that made to your life. Maybe you can say that you're here today because somebody believed in you. You're where you're at right now in your life because somebody believed in you. You're doing things, achieving things, or you're a more whole person because somebody believed in you. I want to show you a clip from a former England football player. Now, I know you didn't expect those words to come out of my mouth because obviously I look like a diehard sports fan and um, nobody believes in the England football team. So that's just like a side note to what's going on. But I'm half South African, I can say what I want. So (laughs) I'm married to Adam now. And Adam is probably the most, like on one hand, like the biggest sports enthusiast I know. um, Because he loves like the sense of occasion and the underdog story and like all the rest of it. I'm indoctrinated. And then the other side of him is like the most emotional, sensitive man probably on the planet, which he's not ashamed of, so don't worry, he's all for it. Um, but because of that, I feel like I'm exposed in my life to these weird emotional sports stories all the time that I've now become addicted to as well. So this is one that, um, that Adam turned my attention to, and it's about the um, former England footballer, Ian Wright, which I feel like I have to go, Ian Wright, right, right, here. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, do I? Yes, I did. Um, Now, apparently, he's a pretty accomplished player, according to Wikipedia, because let's face it, these facts aren't in my brain. Um, But he played for Crystal Palace and Arsenal, and he got over 33 caps for England. What a man. And he even scored nine international goals. Wow. I mean, astonishing stuff. Anyway... (laughs) that was just to paint the picture for you. This is a clip of him explaining the power and the difference that it made to his life by somebody believing in him. Law, can you, thank you very much.
1: The first real positive um, male in my, in my life is a, is a, is a teacher called Mr. Pigdon and, and I thought that this teacher, Mr. Pigdon, the words I got from the people was that he died. And uh, I, was, I was, you know what I mean? At the time I was like, oh, Jesus, gutted. Because he, he was somebody who would sit me down, he would talk to me. When, when, you know, when I, had my, he used to call it the eebie-jeebies because I would get angry from being like this to full on rage. And he would sit me down and he would talk to me and he explain to me, you know what I mean? how To communicate. Um, so then he took me out of the class. He literally taught me to read and write properly himself. He taught me how to sit down and read a book, sit down and how to, to write, and then once he realized I could play football and everything, he started to teach me how to, to, to play football and how you have to pass to, your, to, to other people and why you have to pass to other people and why you have to communicate nicely and why you have to give people encouragement. And um, so, just like I say, when I met him in this situation, I'm at Highbury, you know what I mean? I'm doing this thing, it's all emotional stuff, and all of a sudden, the teacher I thought was dead comes from behind me. Hello, Ian. Long time no see. It's a (laughs) figure. You're alive. I'm alive, he says. How are you doing? (laughs) I can't believe that someone said you were dead. As you see, I'm very much, and I'm so glad you've done so well with yourself. And I literally started to cry like I was like, I don't know, a five, six year old, uncontrollable crying, proper like coming out my nose, spit in my mouth and everything, because of um, how happy I was to see him. And you know, it's, it's, when I watched it, that is when I, I, I realized how much of an effect that that man had on my life and how, much, and how important it is to have a positive, um, positive male figure in your life. And uh, I didn't even realise how much of a positive role model he was on me until I got older uh, at that, that particular moment, really.
0: Oh, anyone else, emo? Katie's gone. Katie's gone. <laughs> I used to be dead inside. <laughs> and then I had kids and they broke me. And now, like, I cry at dog food adverts, like... You seen is it the Alexa advert where the blind woman's looking out the window at the rain? You seen that one? Uh, oh, don't Google it. It's like honestly, I'm a mess. But I'm a mess from watching that because Mr. Pigden, like he deserves a round of applause. Like what an absolute legend. Like that man, like just being a teacher probably absolutely worked beyond reason and and any possibility, and he takes the time to see a kid that's got anger issues, that's obviously not doing well, obviously hasn't got somebody in his life that's shown him the way to go, and he takes the time to believe in that one little kid, and then that little kid grows up to become an amazing England footballer. But what I love about it is Ian's little face, like I know him, Ian, um, (laughs) his little face when Mr. Pigden comes up, he does become like a five-year-old again, doesn't he? Like, literally takes his hat off, Mr. Pigden, like, so, so sweet, but just... The power of, look, it's better than me saying it, being able to watch it and actually see it on screen, but actually be able to see the difference that it had made to his life by having someone that took the time, when he was a kid, but it doesn't have to be just when you're a kid, to actually look at someone and be like, Do you know what, I'm going to give you my time because you're worth it and I believe in you. Absolutely incredible. So, what are the key factors to believe in in someone? Can we make that kind of difference to other people's lives? Well, there is an amazing story tucked away in the book of John, which is in the New Testament, the Bible. And it's about Jesus bringing a man back to life. Um, it's not your average Bible story. It's not like every um, page in the Bible, there's like a resurrection story, which means when you bring someone back to life. Um, and there's tons in this story, and you've probably heard of it before. Um, and there's loads I could pull out of it. But there's just a couple of key points that I want to um, bring up with you this morning. But basically, there's this guy called Lazarus. Why are they babies called Lazarus? I feel like we should start a petition, the Maynards. I think they should have baby Laz. That should catch on. Thank goodness I had girls, you know, and they're already named. But anyway, last... He had two sisters called Mary and Martha, and they were like super tight of Jesus, really really friendly with Jesus. Um, but Lazarus, one day he got sick, and it was really awful, and it didn't look good. And then eventually, after four days, the worst happens, and Lazarus um, he passed away. was really really sick. Ended up dying. And his sisters, Mary and Martha, they're just left in one of the worst situations you can go through as a human when you're dealing with losing a loved one. It's the most brutal kind of pain And and they've got loads to deal with, and they're in a situation, and they're completely overwhelmed. And they reach out to Jesus, he finds out that Lazarus has died, and he's not where Mary and Martha are. But in the story, and this is the first thing I want to bring up, is that Jesus, in this situation, even though he's not there with them, he decides he's going to go and show up in their lives. It says in the Bible that Jesus traveled from where he was, which was a long, long way away from where um, Mary and Martha was and where Lazarus had died. He decided that he was going to make a massive journey to go over and to be with them in their time of need. Not only did he decide he had to make a really long, arduous journey to get there, but Jesus, at this point in his life, he's not loved by a lot of people. He's getting into quite a lot of trouble with the Jewish community. So people are out to get him as well. So he has to make quite a dangerous journey as well as a long one. But he decides, he believes in Mary and Martha so much that he is going to show up. He is going to be present in their lives. And that is one of the first things about believing in someone is sometimes people just need us to show up for them. Sometimes all people need is just for someone to be present in their life. You might be the only person that's asking someone how they're doing. You might be the only person that's asked someone that week how their week was. Have you had that kind of situation before? I remember working in an office and there was a girl, she was like 35 or so, and I didn't realise when she was single and she lived alone and her family lived really far away, and I had no idea for about six months that I was the only person saying, how was your weekend, every Monday morning. She didn't see anybody hardly any weekend. She was really lonely, had a bit of a difficult time, and nobody was asking her, and just that one question used to make a real difference to her Monday morning. You might be the only person making someone laugh in their life. You might be the only person willing to sit with someone and just make a cup of tea for them and be there for them, whether you know it's a difficult time for them or not. Showing up in someone's life makes an incredible difference, and we should never underestimate the power of just being there. Sometimes people don't need answers. Sometimes people don't want advice, they've heard it, they know it, they don't want another person telling them what to do. Sometimes people just need someone to be there, be stood there next to them. I just want to play you um, a little clip, and I'll explain it in a minute. If that's all right, Law? out for Jesus at the end, like, oh, there you are, Lord. <laughs> um, so those are my twins, um, that's uh, little Ella and little Lola, and um, Ella was the one um, holding on to the walker, and Lola's the one going through the laundry basket, which is her absolute favourite activity to do at all time, but there. I mean I'm biased they're my kids I think they're funny I think they're cute of course i'm going to play a video but like they are hilarious but what I love about that clip is like five minutes before they were doing that they were hysterically crying and they go from these extreme emotions all the time from like absolutely loving each other to hating each other to laughing hysterically to crying hysterically and sometimes it's literally like one of them hurts themselves and starts crying the other one's the other side of the room but sees the fact the other one's crying and then they start crying too I don't know if it's a twin thing but I' haven't got time for it. I'm like, no, we're dealing with the one that's actually hurt here. But what I love about that is the fact that they were really, really crying and then they did that. I have no idea what they're laughing at. I'd love to say that like Adam was doing a dance or something, but, and they just thought it was terrible and humiliating and dad should stop. But we have no idea. They just look at each other sometimes and have like a common laugh. (laughs) They just decide that each other's faces are so funny. um, And Lola, especially with her little, like, gurning grin thing she's got going on at the moment, and they just can't stop laughing at each other. But sometimes I think it's a good little picture because they're just there for each other. I mean, they're twins, they haven't got much of a choice. Like, they sleep in the same room, I get them up at the same time, they have to hang out all day, every day together until they're 16 and can go their separate ways. But until that point comes, they're just there for each other. They can't chat, they can't communicate particularly well, there's no philosophy, there's no advice, there's nothing where they're like trying to console each other or be there. They're just there. And if they're going to belly laugh one day, they're going to belly laugh. And if they're going to hysterically cry in each other's arms because Lola pointed out buttons on Ella's top earlier, they're going to hysterically cry together as well. I might need counselling from having twins, I don't know. I love them. You don't have to spend every waking minute with someone. When I'm talking about showing up for people, I just mean just be there. Do what you can. It's about saying, I'm, I'm there for you. I'm your friend. I'm your sister, whatever it may be. And I just think you're worth me being here for you. I think it's worth me showing up and spending some time with you. And I think we could be challenged, and maybe this morning we have to look beyond ourselves, because I know we've all got our own things going on, but maybe we can just take a second to look beyond our own lives and to reach out to somebody else. Because you doing that to somebody else, and then if that person does that to someone else, and if that person then reaches out to somebody else, we can make a massive difference, don't you think? In the story jesus doesn't doesn't stop there he never does he shows up in their lives but he then goes on to do this um it's in john 11 and this is from verse 32 it says when mary reached the place where jesus was because he's just turned up there she fell at his feet and said lord if you had been here my brother wouldn't have died and when jesus saw her weeping and the jews who had come alongside her were also weeping he was deeply moved in spirit and really troubled he said where have you laid him come and see lord they replied and Jesus wept. It's one of the most famous verses in the Bible because it's just two words long. Jesus wept. Jesus was so moved by Mary and Martha's grief and their pain and how broken they were with the situation that they were in that he could do nothing but just cry himself. I absolutely love that. He took the time to connect with the sisters on their emotional level. He didn't try to say, which you've probably had happen to you, I've definitely had happen to me. When I've been emotional about something I've been upset about, people just go, oh, don't cry, don't cry, you know, don't feel like that. Feel like this, you're better, come here, let me distract you, let me take you on to something else. He didn't do that. He saw they were upset, and he could do the only thing that he knew how to do. He sat and he cried with them. There is something so powerful in that. We get distracted in life by a million different things. Whether it's your kids, your your family, your job, your diet, going to the gym, TV, social media. There's just so much out there to try and stop us as humans from connecting with one another. Actually stopping, taking the time and being face to face with someone. Sometimes I think social media is so popular because it's a platform where it's so easy to connect with a million people we'll never meet and we do not actually know rather than actually take the time to have a one-on-one with someone close to you and take some time to actually find out who they are. Empathy. Feeling and trying to understand how somebody else is feeling is powerful. When you take the time to feel somebody else's pain. I remember... um, I had a miscarriage once and people were absolutely lovely about it. And it's a difficult time and and, and people rally around you as best as they know how. But I remember one friend in particular just turned up at my house and I was crying. That's what I was doing that day. And she came in and she didn't try and fix me. She didn't try and distract me, but she just sat with me and cried as well. We are an absolute mess, just sat on the sofa. But do you know what? I loved her so much in that moment because it's just what I needed. It was absolutely what I needed. I just needed somebody else to be like, "Ugh, you're crying because it hurts right now. I- I'm going to cry as well. I'm going to cry for you. Now, I understand that maybe you're not a crier. Like, like I said, I used to be dead inside. I Charlie's very much dead inside as well. Um, <laughs> it's very difficult for us to show emotion, but it may not be your thing. But even just getting alongside somebody else and just being like, Do you know what? I'm not going to fix you. I'm not going to tell you that you don't have to feel this way, that you shouldn't feel this way. I'm going to let you feel the feeling you have right now because that's what you're feeling and you should own that. Validate somebody's feelings and say, that's okay, I am here for you. That kind of thing is powerful. And I think it was powerful when Jesus did it with the sisters because I think they felt understood. I think they felt like Jesus cared enough to be and meet them where they were. So believing in people isn't about just showing up with the answers, it's about meeting people where they're at. The last thing that Jesus does is a pretty incredible thing. He's obviously bonded with the sisters. He's shown a deep love for them, but he's not content to just leave them there. He's kind of done all the groundwork and he's like, okay, I'm here with you. I've bonded with you emotionally. Like I'm feeling what you're feeling, but actually, do you know what? There's another chapter to this. I'm gonna do something else. To so picture the scene, Lazarus has died. He's been dead for four days. There's been a whole very precise and complicated Jewish burial procedure where there's certain linens and embalmings and things and he's been wrapped up and he's been put in a tomb And they've put the stone in front of the tomb and they've walked away and they're continuing their mourning. Like, there's a whole kind of system to this in the Jewish community. They know what they're doing. But they've put them in the tomb and they've shut the door. Lazarus is dead. Then Jesus, he asks to go to the tomb. And in the Bible, it says this Jesus was once more deeply moved. So he came to the tomb. And it was a cave with a stone put in front of the entrance. And he said, Take away that stone. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by the time there's going to be a really bad smell, for he's been in there for four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? Now obviously you can guess what this story is leading on to, because I said it at the start, but there's a really, really crucial bit in that line that I really want to grab hold of this morning, because it's the bit, it's like the catalyst before the actual action. He says, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? Martha isn't sat there in that moment thinking Jesus is going to raise Lazarus from the dead. She's not sat there thinking, oh, I'm about to, witness a miracle. This is awesome. I'm showing up, Jesus. I want front row seats. Let's do this. She's not thinking that for a second. She's overwhelmed. She's mourning. She's in grief. She's in pain. She's trying to get through the mourning process of the community being around her. Like she's, That's the last thing on her mind. And yet Jesus is there trying to empower her looking at her situation because he's already shown up he's already connected with her he's not coming in cold here but he meets her where she's at and he's like I know this is overwhelming I've felt your pain I've cried with you I know this is tough for you but do you not think if you believe we might see the glory of God basically in our terms don't you think we could change this Don't you think we could see something incredible happen? That we could take this awful situation, this terrible thing you're going through, the thing that you can't see past at the moment, and actually we could turn it on its head and something good could come out of it. Jesus has turned the situation on its head and let's make no mistake, he's talking about raising people from the dead, but basically he's showing her that there aren't any impossibilities when it comes to believing in Jesus. It says this in the Bible. So they took away the stone, and Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped in strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Side note, really scary zombie movie, like isn't it? Like I just read that, and I was like, and a cloth on his face. like You wouldn't be there rejoicing. I'd be like, run, this is horrendous. Anyway, Bible, you know, you have to go with it. So anyway... Jesus said to them, take off his grave clothes, thank you, less scary, people can then rejoice, and let him go. Actually back from the dead. Lazarus back from the dead, it must have been incredible and I don't think they ever saw it coming. But Jesus made Martha in that bit before, he made her feel like she could be part of something incredible. I know it's tough, I felt your pain, I know you're just aching right now, but there is an alternative, this could get better. Martha's faith in God and her ability to trust in his power would have just exploded in that moment. She would never have been the same again because somebody was believing in her. I don't know how many resurrections you've been a part of. I've only ever bought my yucca tree back from the dead. And that was because it was dying and Katie was like, no, there's still time. And I was like, really? I feel like it's gone. I'm all right with it. And she's like, no, you can revive it. Bring it back from the dead. And I was like, all right. So I've ordered it for a few days and it came back from the dead. And I was like, oh, by now I actually think she's really mad at me. And um, I don't think, she's living like this weird half-life now. She's like half-brown, half-green. And I don't think she wants to pull through. Like, so I feel like that's the only other thing I've brought back to dead. And it hasn't worked out for me. Because um, she's, she's not happy. And I fill my house now with artificial plants. I think she feels really outnumbered. So it's really, really difficult. But Sarah, do you want to come up? I'm going to finish in a sec. <laughs> the point remains the same, whether you've seen a resurrection, whether you believe in bringing people back from the dead or not. The point remains the same, that Jesus showed up in a situation. He turned it on his head because suddenly Martha could believe that there could be another ending to what she was feeling. Through empowerment, you can change someone else's life. You can change someone else's belief of what they're capable of. Martha didn't wake up thinking this is what was going to happen today but a little shove, a little provoke, a little challenge from Jesus and suddenly she's seeing outside of the box and that's what he wanted her to be able to see. Deliberately choosing to believe in people around you changes things. It absolutely changes things because when we're believed in, we can then start to believe in other people and that has an incredible chain reaction like ad said last week when we find hope we can then go and give it we're saying to people do you know what you matter to me because you matter to god so i'm going to show up i'm going to cry with you and then i'm going to empower you because you matter to jesus you have something to offer and if you believe that in yourself you could change everything